Coming up, we dive in with Sharif Phillips-Keaton on all things Brooklyn Nets basketball. What are we hearing out of training camp around the health and preparedness of Ben Simmons for the upcoming season? And could, in fact, Noah Clowney have a path to make an impact if he gets certain aspects of his game in line? We dive in coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. I am Adam Armbrecht, and that is not Doug Norrie joining me. As we said at the top, it is Sharif Phillips-Keaton from USA Today. Nets Wire, obviously been covering the team. Now going back to when we first connected over uh, at Media Day and at the NBA Draft at Barclays Center. Going to dive into all these topics around the Nets here. But first and foremost, how's the offseason been, Sharif? Uh, how, how's the buzz feeling around these Nets? Um, it's actually been good, Adam. Thanks for uh, having me on. Um, I'm sure as you and most uh, Nets fans know, it's been a quiet offseason in the sense of, you know, you're not worried about drama with Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. It's more just, um, you know, are the, is the Nets roster going to stay the way it is? Are they going to trade for Damian Litter, which I know we're going to talk about later. It's been, you know, pretty uh, quiet offseason, but, you know, just glad that the NBA, NBA is starting to ramp up pretty soon. Yeah, and obviously uh, you'll be listening to this show if you're watching it on Friday, yesterday, on Thursday afternoon. We dove in very deep on all the different aspects of the Damian Lillard trade and, and the fallout, whether or not the Nets should have been involved. And we are going to touch on him as well. But to your point, before we dive in even on Ben Simmons, it, it is a different tone for this season. Now, from a fan base perspective, we've seen the spectrum on, on Locked On Nets. They should have been in on Damian Lillard. They should be going for player X or Y. And then the other end of the spectrum is it should be full youth movement. They should have traded Mikhail Bridges last year at the deadline, right? It should be all about getting 9,000 draft picks and being prepared for whatever may come down the road. On that front, first and foremost, do you agree with or like the, the route that the Brooklyn Nets have taken here after the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving era where, yes, there are young players, they are developing, and they've brought in a couple of guys, obviously, in Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson that they feel like can help keep this team above water in the short term next couple of seasons? Um, well, I'll say this. Um, obviously, they were put in a tough situation once um, – you know, Kevin Durant maxed out for the. What's the problem? You got a couple <laughs> superstars. They don't want to be here. What's the big deal? Well, <laughs> yeah, right. It's 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 a tough situation because you know, and we've seen you know with different superstars over the you know the past few years. You know, Damian Lillard, James Harden, for example, where the last thing teams want to do is let go of a superstar caliber player. Let alone mm-hmm. what the Nets had to do with two, but once you know, a player ask out, you know, there's only so much you can do from that standpoint. Um, given that situation, I think coming out with Mikhail Bridges, uh, Cam Johnson, Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith, all the the draft picks they have, especially from the Suns who may not be very good in the next few years, but we'll see. Um, I think they did the best they could do as far as, you know, should they have just, you know, tore it all the way down to the nuts and bolts and, 
you know, gave away uh, Mikael Bridges for a couple of first rounders, see what they could have done there. It's hard to say because Mikael Bridges is one of those players you possibly want to build around just because he is yeah. young and upcoming. And as we saw, you know, do 20 some odd games this past season could be a future all-star, you know, time will tell, you know, I think it's, you have enough draft picks where I think you at least have that backup capital just in case things go wrong. And I think having dudes like bridges, the way Claxton, you know, balled out last year, I think they're, I would call it a competitive rebuild. And Mm -hmm. I think you may not get your, your own draft picks may not be that valuable. You know, you may be in the, um, you know, say like right outside the lottery, if you make the playoffs, but I think it's better for all around if you're just trying to develop your young players and see what you got. Yeah, listen, they're one of the teams that, however you want to slice it, has one of the longer track records of making the playoffs. Now, the success in the playoffs hasn't been there, even with the superstars. But I think that that, you know, we always use the word as the Nets have. But, you know, the culture kind of matters here. And there's a bit of a culture reset that went on, obviously, following the superstar trades. Now, not to dwell on the past, in the immediacy, the next big, by the way, superstar talent, is Ben Simmons and his health from last year finally coming into this season. When it comes to him, how different does the tone and discussion around him from an organizational standpoint, from Jacques Vaughn's standpoint, how different does that feel from last year? Because some of these these things that we heard from Jock Vaughn were along the lines of Ben Simmons as well. We, we I didn't have a relationship with the with, with the head coach or going vice versa, which we know is true. When players are injured, it's out of sight, out of mind. But he has been with the team for two seasons, <laughs> you know. So it's it's weird to hear that and still come out of it feeling actually positive and optimistic around where this player could be coming into the season. Right, Adam, you know, spot on. And I think, you know, from the um, media availability Nets had earlier this week, Jock Vaughn almost sounded like he is almost like he was apologizing in a way because he was saying like, you know, um, I was asking Ben to do certain things last season that he physically couldn't do. And I think when you're in the midst of a season, especially, you know, um, you waited basically a full year for Simmons to actually be able to help, you know, be healthy enough to play. And then, you know, he stepped on the floor and he looked like a shell of his former self. And then, you know, he's missing two or three games here for something with his back, something with his knee. And then it seems like it's all, it's happening all over again. And then you have the the trades of uh, Durant Irving. And now you're trying to make this all work on a fly while still making the playoffs. And I, I can understand why he was saying what he said, like not having much of a relationship with Ben, but it seems like this time around, now that he understands Ben is actually fully healthy, at least, you know, from all indications, it seems like he's like, you know what? My bad. Let's, let's start from, <laughs> let's start from ground zero and let's just try to approach this season the best way we can. And I think that's probably the best mindset, especially when you're dealing with someone like Ben Simmons, who I think most people are just like, yeah, he's probably just going to be the same guy he's been and we should just move on. I got to be honest with you too. When we think about um, Jock Vaughn in those comments, because we said this when we think about uh, Derek Whitehead and the choice to draft him and saying, well, you've got medical personnel inside that, that performed the surgeries and that did the evaluation. So you feel as confident in taking a player like this as you possibly could and what he could be going forward for you. And then at the same time, you mentioned about, 
an apologetic nature from Jacques Vaughn makes you go, well, all this stuff is inside your building. Like, why were you asking him to do things that you don't, that he actually turns out he wasn't capable of performing physically if every, it should have been there, right? So Doug had mentioned this when we briefly touched on it last week of, it's not a great look that, that there hadn't been much communication on either side of it, um, but in, at least it feels like it's going in the right direction now and hopefully he's on the court five on five, no restriction. And we know what that can open up for this Nets team potentially. We'll touch on that here again coming up in a second as we we kind of fringe around the Damian Lillard trade, whether or not the Nets should have gotten involved potentially. But ultimately, what did they miss out on by Damian Lillard not ending up in Miami? We'll talk about that. And Noah Clowney, the young player's development as well in just one moment. But first, We'll tell you about our friends over at DoorDash, because if you love the convenience of getting what you want right to your door with DoorDash grocery delivery, you can stock up for weeks ahead or order the last minute cravings that you want conveniently. If you burnt that last piece of toast, avocado's gone bad, or the hot sauce bottle is empty, try grocery delivery from DoorDash. You'll get everything you want delivered right when you need it, right to your door. And if you need fresh groceries for the week, but don't have time to go to the store, obviously, Getting them right there to your doorstep is easy from DoorDash. If you've trusted DoorDash for your deliveries from restaurants, your favorite foods and snacks late at night, get the grocery delivery. It's actually the same exact process, just as convenient, just as trusted, and just as reliable. So you can go over and get 50% off your first DoorDash order and up to $25 value when you use code LOCKEDONNBA at checkout. Limited time offer. Terms do apply. That's 50% off, up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download DoorDash app. And you can go to the App Store and enter promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Okay, so talking with Sharif Phillips-Keaton from Nets Wire, subsidiary of USA Today, obviously. A guy that I mentioned, by the way, um, Sharif, everybody was friendly at Barclays Center, NBA draft, NBA media day. But I enjoyed, we were there in the media session when I walked into that room and that's my, that was my first introduction to media sessions. You're just kind of standing around and all of a sudden all the, all the young players come flooding in and you and I were able just to kind of connect and talk for a few minutes. And it was like, okay, friendly, friendly face here, have a little conversation, feel like I am a part of this group because you don't know how those things uh, are going to unfold. So that was the first time that we actually connected. Um, and I, I had a blast at that experience there. Has that been, did that feel the same way for you when you go to these, these opportunities and you start to get exposed to, you know, the circus that is, I think the NBA and media days and draft coverage. Um, yeah, it's been a, you know, about the same for me. I think for me, if anything, you know, just like, you know, we connected at, you know, that availability night for the draft. Um, I think for someone like me who's you know still new to this, this will actually be my first full season uh, covering the Nets from you know the start of training camp. And you know, for someone like me, always been an NBA fan. You start you know listening to podcasts, reading different people's work. Like most of the people that were there, um, never met in person, and it's hard to not be like starstruck in a way. But then you're like, hey, you know. These are my peers and, you know, it's a great feeling got to connect with you and, you know, talk to, you know, a good amount of people, players and media. I never thought I would. It, you know, it's all been a humbling experience in a way. 
Duly noted, uh, Sharif, you were not starstruck by me. That's that's fine. Listen, there's there's bigger, more important people there. I did not. Sharif walked over. He actually pushed me slightly out of the way. So I'm trying to get over here to talk to this player. Would you mind stepping aside? I don't know if you're just cleaning up afterwards, but it was it was good. No, it was all it was all fun, and it was good to be able to do that together. Um, when we turn our attention, then uh, I talked yesterday on Thursday's episode. Go check that out. It was a live over on YouTube, really in depth from all the angles of the Nets and the fallout from the Damian Lillard trade. But just on the highest level, do you think that maybe the the worst angle, and I know you can go over to NetsWire and see your write-up on the immediate reaction to it, but is maybe the worst part of it that Damian Lillard didn't end up going to Miami, which at least would have opened the door, we think, in theory, to the Tyler Hero ending up on Brooklyn discussion. It seems like once it became Milwaukee and how quickly that's, that, that got traction, there really wasn't a way for the Nets to jump in on that and catch some fringe benefits. Yeah, I I, I agree with you there, Adam. And I, you know, I listened to your your thoughts on you know the entire situation it unfolding. I think for me, even since I wrote about it, now that I even think about it more. I think part of it is that the Nets got nothing from mm-hmm. you know this whole Damian Lillard thing. Obviously, <laughs> you know, from months on end, it it went from you know. Lillard is interested in going to the Heat and the Nets. Then it became just the Heat. So then it was like, could the Nets be the third team? Maybe get Tyler Hero. Maybe offload Ben Simmons' contract. Maybe get a few draft picks out of it. To the Nets get none of the aforementioned assets. And not only that, um, Milwaukee is even more of a championship contender. And I think, you know, in most sports, books they're considered to be the favorite which obviously doesn't change much for the nets because at this point if you weren't getting damian lillard you were still going to be a rebuilding team so in theory it doesn't change much for the direction but i think that's probably the biggest fallout is that when brooklyn could at the very least maybe have gotten tyler hero and maybe not have to you know continue this ben simmons experiment it goes from that to they get nothing out of it and now it's just you have the monster that's now the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, and I think you're right, too. You know, again, whatever we think the ceiling is for the Brooklyn Nets, it wasn't going to Eastern Conference Finals and competing to go to the NBA Finals. So when one of the top-tier teams gets that much stronger, you go, okay, you know, it doesn't doesn't really change where we are. Is there any sense for you um, from what you saw, even going back to last year and following the trades and then coming into this training camp and, and being a part of the media sessions, have you got any sense maybe from Sean Marks even that there is still an active interest for the Nets to improve this offseason potentially? Because it does very much feel like once you don't move on from Dorian Finney-Smith or Royce O'Neal or even Spencer Dinwiddie in the short term, that it, you're going into the season as constructed and there'll be the evaluation at the start of the year to see if moves need to get made. So going off of Marx's latest comments and even the comments he's made throughout the season, um, you know, it seems like typical, you know, general manager talk like, you know, we love our team the way it is, but if a move ever needs to come along <laughs> yeah. to be made, we will explore all any and all options, which I mean is, you know, pretty understandable. It seems like right now from the outside looking in that Brooklyn is going forward with this team and mm-hmm. let's say, you know, just throwing something out there, let's say Toronto becomes more forceful in trying to trade Pascal Siakam and maybe you can get him without having 
to part with too much of your young players or assets. That could be something at the trade deadline. Um, but it seems like as of right now, I genuinely believe Sean Marks when he says that they're committed to this team. And I think unless something just falls in their lap in terms of a player who just wants out and he could be, you know, had for, you know, little to nothing, mm-hmm. unless something like that pops up, I think this is the team we'll see from the Nets throughout this season. Yeah, and I tend to agree with you, and I think the trade deadline is going to be fascinating for them, especially, and that's what we'll touch on here before we turn over to Noah Clowney and the younger players and what their development could look like this year. Um, If this team is projected 37.5 was the over-under for their win totals, I think Ben Simmons is a big impact on that. Doug and I talked about how we might set that at 39.5. I tend to think they could have been a 42-40 and team even before you knew fully what Ben was going to be. Where where do you think this team is going to land this season in the hierarchy of the Eastern Conference with some mystery about where Ben's game is going to be and certainly some younger players that could develop. But do you see them as the play-in tournament team? Do you see them as missing the playoffs and, and this being maybe a bit of a, a smoke screen from, from the organization to say, yeah, we're going to be competitive. And also if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. Or do you have some higher aspirations for them? So I tend to be, and this is not going to be a, Great answer, but I tend to be in the middle. I think I'll put it like this. If even if with Ben Simmons being healthy, if he plays like he did last season, they're a playing team. There's no about no doubt about that. And that might be like they have to win two games to even mm-hmm. get into the playoffs and then get smoked by the Bucks in the first round or something like that. But if Ben is genuinely healthy, which I do believe is especially, you know, from his interview with Fox, it seems like he's finally, you know, showing some confidence that he's Mm -hmm. ready to go. Um, Even with that, at best, the Nets may be be able to get like a six seed, maybe be like 42 and 40. That's at Mm -hmm. the best. Um, I think most likely they'll be in the play in. All right, yeah, I'm always I'm always the more optimistic of the two between Doug and myself, and we're not far off from one another. But I, I yeah, I said the six C that's that's the obtainable goal to me, and I think that would mark a real achievement for this team and for the organization to say not only do we make the playoffs, but we avoided the play-in game, and, and we understand the matchups that come once you're actually in the playoffs. Expectations of winning games in a playoff series that's that's a whole other can of worms. But it's nice to at least feel like you have this floor of, yeah, being in that play-in tournament at a minimum, maybe having some confidence that you can go up against these teams, the Pacers. We don't know officially where the Miami Heat are going to end up now unless they go and make an additional move here. So it should make for a fascinating, fascinating playoff run potentially for the Nets. Coming up here in a second, let's turn our attention to Noah Clowney. I'm going to ask about Derek Whitehead. And I'm also going to ask about another young player that's a hot button topic in one Cam Thomas, all here with Sharif Phillips Keaton from Nets Wire and just one second. Okay, so closing things out, Sharif, talking about all things Brooklyn Nets here as we get through training camp. We look at preseason games coming up. Like we're finally, finally at the point where real basketball is tangibly close enough that we can we can stop having to do the speculative conversations and say, here's a concrete sample size. Like we are learning real things about these players. But in that vein, young guys that the Nets went with, listen, Doug and I debated it. We talked about it on draft night. While Dariq Whitehead certainly has the injuries, we know that you go back a year prior without injury, he could have been a lottery pick based on talent, right? So taking that risk with his age, fantastic. We debated whether or not Noah Clowney was the right pick there, whether or not there were better, more immediate impact players. 
He's young, youngest player coming out. He has a lot of areas to develop, and you did a nice write-up on the three goals that he can work on, which is at the defensive end, improving defense without fouling, offensively the consistency, and also getting the free throw line. Do you? What do you anticipate from him based on covering him at draft, now looking at him in training camp? Is there is there the developmental track where you think there's any world that he's making an appearance at the NBA level? Because we just see it as, We'll see you next season. Work on all your game, and we'll talk to you the following year when we believe that you've had time to develop. So uh, when I think of, you know, how Noah Clowney was at least projected coming into the draft and then seeing him in summer league, which is, I admit, it's not the end-all, be-all. I think it was clear, and even he said it in his comments when asked about his summer league experience that, and I think players say is that, you know, they're getting used to the speed of the game. Mm-hmm. It's obviously faster than college. College is faster than high school, you know, so on and so forth. But with Clowney, and it wasn't unexpected, it's clear that he's going to have to get used to the physicality. And I think that was the biggest thing that stood out was even like when he's trying to set screens, he's getting knocked off a spot without much, you know, pressure being applied he's just right wasn't really a hard blow and he found himself getting knocked off the spot yeah right and then you even see that on the defensive end which i you know try to allude to in so many words is that him not really having a strong physical foundation is just hard for him to play effective defense especially on the inside because he gets knocked off his spot so easily so i think for this season, to answer your larger question, I think we could see him get some minutes with the Nets at the NBA level. Um, it probably won't be until he is noticeably stronger. Because mm. I think, you know, I think Jock Vaughn might, especially for the front court rotation, might look to, you know, giving <laughs> Dayron Sharp a chance to prove he's the backup center the Nets need. Um you know, bringing in guys like Darius Baisley, you know, Trent Wofford, guys who can contribute right now and, you know, let Noah County develop on his own time. You know, kids still 19, you know, he yeah. has plenty of time. Any indication just quickly on that front court with the players that the Nets brought in this offseason, have you gotten anything in, in, in the media coverage that suggests the Nets have a, a direction they'd like to go with the Trenton Watford and Darius Baisley's of the world? Or is it, as we see from the outside, like it's a grab bag. If one of them bubbles up and ends up looking like they have value, fantastic. And if it puts a little bit of pressure on Dayron to prove that he can be that backup player, is that is that the agenda when it comes to all these young guys they took flyers on this offseason? Um, I would agree with the latter. I think I it, from at least hearing what Jock Vaughn had to say earlier this week, it sounds like Dayron is going to get the opportunity to yeah. show that he should be the backup center. And I think he's, you know, he's, I think he's logically the, um, the best backup for Nick Claxton. But I will say, as we've seen over the past couple of years, that most likely will not preclude Brooklyn from giving Darius Baisley and Trenton Watford a shot, especially because Watford is an interesting young player himself, mm-hmm. es- especially if um, Jaguar wants to try to play small ball, uh, more often, especially when Claxton's off the floor. Um, but yeah, from what I've seen, you know, especially over the summer and, you know, off the latest comments, I think it's pretty much Dayron Sharp's 
job to lose. And I think if he starts to be inconsistent, I think that's when you'll see like Darius Baisley, Trenton Wofford, maybe even Harry Giles start yep. to see uh, more floor time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously it comes down to me, the offensive end here, right? Because Nicholas Claxton is great around the basket, but we know, and we've seen the development, a little bit of that turnaround jumper there. So his his offensive game is slowly coming into fruition. We we always watch the three-point shots in the offseason, and we think, hey, can it come on? Let's let's start cooking. But but same thing with Dayron. If, if you're going to be a high-energy rebounder, well, there's going to be limits there. And you mentioned a guy like Watford. I You know, you throw out a lot of names over the course of the offseason. I had highlighted him as someone I wanted to see the Nets bring in because of what it looks like he can be. And the perimeter shooting is there. And he's athletic. He can get out and run the floor. And there's some versatility, certainly, to his game. So these players are there to give opportunities. And I think that's the big picture for the Nets saying, well, if any of these guys over the course of this year prove that they could be something, we, we project ahead and know that we have them coming in with the expectation at some point, Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, even if it's after the season, Spencer Dinwiddie with the expiring contract may likely not be a part of this team going forward. The other guys here, we won't, I, I'll ask you about Derek Whitehead, but Jalen Wilson was obviously a standout in the summer league, obviously came out of the draft older. So we, we know that that oftentimes is indicative of a player that maybe has a little bit of a lower ceiling when it comes to the NBA game, but also a much higher floor out of the gates. I've I've stood on the idea that he should be up. He's on a two-way contract. You get 50 games that you can use before you have to convert him. I'd like to see him up sooner than later because I believe it's like he's the guy that folds in there as you move off of a Dorian Finney-Smith and you need some front court shooting ability. Um, as you move off of a Royce O'Neal, maybe even more specifically, d- does he track as a guy to you that's going to have a role? Because Doug and I, you know, fun in a fun way, debate where we think these young players are going to be. I believe he gets up to the NBA level. Like I think that he gets close to those 50 games this year when it's all said and done, whether that's because the team underachieves in the first half and players get traded or that he just pushes and cars out a role because with his age, you want to know and see him now. Like there, there's not a value to waiting a year on him, unlike a whitehead or a clowny. So I, I pretty much agree with um, you and Doug. I think if Jalen Wilson did not play the way he played in summer league, which was pretty incredible. And I mean, looked like he was back at Kansas. Um, I would have said, you know, he'll probably spend his year in the G league. Cause mm-hmm. I think if you're not entirely sure if his three point shot is going to be consistent enough that he could be on the floor and not, you know, be a detriment. But I think we saw his offensive game is going to translate aside from, you know, Hill house. You have to, um, develop some more of an uncanny way to get to the rim because obviously from what we saw um you know mocked about him coming into the draft is that he probably will have trouble finishing over nba athletes like that type of athleticism and we saw that even in the summer league but with the way that he looked like a calming presence on the offensive end i think that alone to me should be a reason to bring him up sooner than later just because it looks like he's the most ready to play out of uh, him and Noah Clowney. And obviously Mm -hmm. Derek Whitehead still recovered from his foot injury. So yeah, I think Jalen Wilson could get a role. Um, It probably will be sooner than later. 
I love it. That's all that I want to hear. And I think you're right too, right? We always say when you start saying, ah, oh, this guy's not that athletic, it's such a it's such a, a weird thing to say about NBA level players, right? This is the finite of finite people that can go and do this thing. But Jalen Wilson, you wouldn't say, oh, he is a freak athlete by NBA standards. And that's when you talk about, you know, you can compare him even to players that are on the Nets roster in terms of attacking at the basket. What does Dennis Smith Jr. have any business being able to get to the rim with his size? But that's that athleticism and that speed and that strength that affords him to do it. You don't put Jalen Wilson, again, not the one-to-one comp there, but you don't put him into that category. But it's like a Dorian Finney-Smith. I don't think Dorian Finney-Smith is breaking down somebody off the dribble and taking him baseline. It doesn't mean that that skill set can't build out. So he's, he's uh, to me, he's my favorite, whether it is early or it ends up at the deadline, someone gets moved and opens up that spot for him. I actually think you can look at him as a contributor in a positive way for a team that is staying competitive. Last one we'll touch on um, is going to be Cam Thomas, actually. Derek Whitehead, we know, hopefully he comes back. And you can note if you think he's going to be healthy enough to make an appearance this season. But on Cam Thomas, I just recently, a couple episodes ago, asserted that he should be put into the starting lineup at the beginning of the season. You should go with him alongside Ben Simmons. Let let Ben Simmons orchestrate the offense. Get him into that role. The three-point shooting is there. I love Spencer Dinwiddie, but, but you need to find out. You drafted this kid in the first round. He is a young player that has the ability to really change the dynamic of this offensive unit. Where, where, what indications, if anything, do you have from the Nets organization to say that they believe in Cam Thomas, that they plan to actually give him consistent minutes this year and allow him to become a part of this offense? So, and you laughed at the start of this, Sharif. So, clearly, bringing up Cam Thomas (laughs) is like this is a universal uh, hot button and also comical topic because we've talked about it since he's been drafted, right? And just like you said, Adam, it I laugh because. If there's anything that's been more of a hot button issue on social media across Nets fans is, is Cam Thomas going to play? Is he going to start? It just seems like it's now that we're not worried about, you know, Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. It's like, what about Cam Thomas? And it's not funny in the sense of like, it's a pointless discussion. I think it's just so interesting because for me, I'm of the camp that, Cam Thomas has been in the right role because, and I think even um, when Jacques Vaughn spoke about it earlier this week about Cam Thomas, that he would like to see growth in other areas of his game. I don't think it was with the caveat to um, Cam Thomas won't see more time unless he improves on, you know, his playmaking. And I've wrote about this before, you know, it would be nice that if Cam Thomas is going to have the ball in his hands, it'd be nice that he'd be more of a playmaker and be at least a neutral defender on the mm-hmm. defensive end instead of where he is now, where it's pretty much he's given up 30 no matter who he's guarding. Um, but I've, I've seen different takes, and I listened to you talk about it too, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be against it. I think I would prefer – if you either start Spencer or Ben, I assume it'll be Ben if he's healthy and not playing like trash. And then maybe you let Cam Thomas still come off the bench, maybe give him more minutes than he's been getting. I would say like mm-hmm. maybe 20 to 25 and see if that growth is there. But if it isn't, Nets fans are going to be pretty upset. 
Yeah, and that's I, I you know, and I, like I said, and the, the debate is there because catch and shoot percentages for Spencer Dinwiddie are good from beyond the arc, even though his three point shooting has was not great coming back over from Dallas last year. So I think when I brought it up, it's you know the fan base divided on it as everyone's always going to be, but it's not it's not even a knock on Spencer Dinwiddie. It's just tell me whether or not Cam Thomas is a part of this team, right? And you said it twenty to twenty five minutes. If you prove it, great. Now you're in the fold. If not then we know that you are offensively talented. There are teams that would be interested. What can you do to improve this roster? How do you get some more draft capital in the door? If it's not going to be a consistent game over game role in the starting rotation or otherwise, I don't know what we're doing. Like, I, I don't know why this, I don't know why this player is here. You drafted him for the future. When you had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, didn't need to be anything immediately. It's the future now. Like the future has arrived and you're still treating him as if you have these guys that are above him in the pecking order or that the organization has some bigger goal in the short term that he can't be a part of. And this is where even the defensive deficiencies, I think you start to overlook them at some point because that's where the organization is and that's where you need to be from a developmental standpoint. That being the case. Sharif Phillips Keaton, man, for uh, Nets Wire and USA Today, obviously. What, what are, do you have any articles in the pipeline coming up that you're going to be looking at as we work our way through training camp that you want people to know about? Um, I just the main thing I'll continue to put out, you know, I've been doing this three goals series for mm-hmm. every one of the players I at least expect to be on the roster through training camp. Obviously, the other day, and I'm kind of glad I, I kind of saved those guys for last with you know, Jordan Hall and Kiefer Sykes being released. So yeah. I try to write about the guys I at least think will be on the roster. By the oh, time Spencer I finish writing the Dorian Finney-Smith. Go, go, go high level. Go high level. Right, right, right. right. Um, other than that, um, nothing uh, too breaking. Just obviously, you know, training camp, right? Uh, media days, I believe, on Tuesday. Training camp will start the next day. Um, and then once that happens, you know, we'll start rolling with – uh, what to look for in the preseason. Um, just, you know, check out Netswire, show some love. <laughs> That's it, man. Over on Sharif Keaton, uh, over on Twitter or X, whatever you want to refer to it as. Really a great follow. As we said, over the course of this show, got to connect with him at the NBA draft in the media day sessions with some of the young prospects. It was really good. The articles are fantastic. He's doing all this coverage and content. And in an, in an NBA landscape around the Nets that has thinned out over the last couple of years, we say it about our show. We're here five days a week for you. Sharif is here five days a week, sometimes seven days a week, and sometimes multiple, multiple times throughout the single day. So if you want some really just good coverage on the Brooklyn Nets, you got to check out Sharif. Give him a follow. And we, of course, are uh, hopeful that we'll be able to check in with you throughout the year and get some continued insight around not only the development of the NBA level team, but those young players down in the G League as well. Sharif, thanks so much, man. Adam, thank you so much. I appreciate all the love, man. And obviously, you go over to YouTube, you follow, subscribe, turn on the alerts so you know when we're going live with Locked On Nets over on Twitter, at Doug Nori, at Adam Armbrecht, at Locked On Nets as well. As you know, when there is no Doug Nori, there is no quote short of saying that I miss my friend and I can't wait until he's back so we can keep talking all things Brooklyn Nets basketball. Basketball.